Welcome back to another episode of Dial M for Magic. On our last episode, we met our heroes as they went about their lives. We met Treble, the sad poet, Kitty, the budding journalist, Red, the hyper hick, and Herman Cranberry, the bulky handyman. Treble had a run-in with the law. Herman Cranberry helped the friendly gnomes, Ernest and Mabel. Red was almost caught using magic at work. And Kitty has gotten her first big break at the newspaper. What will happen next? And just what was that mysterious news broadcast? Tune in to today's episode of Dial M for Magic to find out. You see, uh, as the crowd clears away, um, towards the front, uh, you see both Ernest and Mabel there. It looks like it's Ernest's radio because he's picking it up and carrying it with him. And uh, they look, or Ernest at the very least, just looks very perturbed, like very serious. And you can see that Mabel has put a hand on his shoulder and is kind of, and is talking to him as they're walking. Hey, Ernest, you okay? Well, uh... I knew I knew a great many people on on that city, and uh, I'm just concerned about my friends, is all. And uh, you know, I don't really. I suspect uh, I suspect that they might try and. Well, I don't really want to go out there. I'm too old to to do that sort of thing anymore. So I'm just anxious. You think that they would try to call you in and 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 work on it? Oh, certainly, certainly. I mean, I used to repair all the really big ships. I, I used to repair warships down at the down at the seaside, down at the port city, and uh, I, you know, I've been around long enough. I don't, and he kind of lowers his voice. I, I don't much like our government, and uh, I wouldn't put it past them. They're an awfully rough lot of people, especially since the since the uh, the prohibition. You wouldn't put it past them to do do what? To to call him up and and, and make him work for them. Even though he is an old retired man, oh. yes, Kitty, Kitty's to got the stay idea. Stay home. I, I think that that would be totally unnecessary. They have plenty of young people who could go and help in the these efforts. Those cities, I just, I, I think there's more to it than that. And I, I, anyway, I'm sure they won't call you up. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You, you you're certainly right. There's certainly younger and uh, faster and fitter people than than me, and uh, my prime days are well behind me, and I won't see those again. <laughs> but uh, oh, thank you for that. Thank you for that, Kitty. That made me feel a lot no, no, better. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, not that you're you're uh uh. That there's anything wrong with you. It's just that you you earned your time to not have to do that anymore. Being an an older gentleman who's put in his time. You, that's. That's what retirement is for, is, is to not have to work anymore. Not that you couldn't do it. Oh, I'm just going to be quiet now. He, he just gives you kind of a reassuring smile, and he's like, Oh, don't worry, I know what you meant. You meant no harm by it. And gives you a big cheerful grin, and he's like, Well, uh, you know, we're making a, a great big cake tonight. Mabel and I will bring some pieces around to all of you later. Bye. And uh, he gives a little wave, and they go off to their apartment. Um, As he turns to go i i think i take a step towards him and go oh hey ernest uh i kind of lean in close you uh you never met uh, a girl named sylvia have you it's a blue hair and a lot of tattoos sylvia sylvia uh uh how old would you say uh about uh well like my age but half elf so maybe older than my age it, it's uh, probably nothing. I I don't 
I I don't. It's a big city. You know, uh, that somewhat rings a bell. Uh, you know, let me uh, let me look at me. Let me dig out my old address book, and uh, if if I can find something, I'll come by later. Okay. Ah, thank you. I appreciate it. Sure thing. Yeah, you have a good day now. Uh, Herman, are you doing anything for this or while this is happening? Well, it looks like I'm definitely going to get called in for this. I, I can't imagine they wouldn't ask for a strong 70 or 70, seven foot tall, <laughs> seven to- foot tall human to, to work on this. So human. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just in case anybody was curious. I'm definitely, definitely a human. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope, uh. That works Herman out for ignores you. all of your confused looks and pretends that he doesn't notice. Is this something he, he pretends to do, or is this is like does he just pretend? Is he in denial about it, or is he like just genuinely? Yeah, people convinced? people keep t- trying to tell him he's a Goliath, and he just keeps insisting that he's human. <laughs> it's like my dad trying to insist he has blonde hair. <laughs> he absolutely does does not. And Joe, if you're listening, you know <laughs> you know you're wrong. <laughs> Don't call him my dad on the podcast. It could have been any Joe that I was talking about. I guess contextually. Any it old Joe. The only Joe that is dad's dad. But it could be any of those Joes. Okay. Uh, sorry, Herman. Were you doing anything? Um, no, I was just saying that they're, they're oh, defi- right. definitely going to ask me to come to volunteer to serve. Okay. So you all return to your apartments. Okay. And uh, everybody roll perception. Including me. No, not you. No, you're you're playing <laughs> piano at a bar. I roll a four. <laughs> I roll a fourteen. Roll the natural twenty. So plus four twenty-four. Okay, well, starting with the four, uh, it's a nice room that you're in. Um, <laughs> no, I got, I've got it now. Uh, Herman, you hear the sound of raised voices, but you can't really make out what's being said. Uh, I, I go to inspect the voices. Well, ho- hold on. So they're coming. From, they're coming from outside your door. So you can't do that. Just let me do uh, Kitty and um, Red. Red, you hear the same raised voices, and you can hear some of the words, but they're pretty disjointed. Uh, Kitty, you hear pretty much every everything with it's it's a bit muffled, but the words are clear, and you can hear Ernest. And he's raised his voice and appears, and it sounds like he's yelling at somebody. And you hear, I've already told you once, I'm not going back out there. I'm not fit for it anymore. I don't have the sea legs anymore, and uh, technology's changed. I don't think I could make those, I, I, I don't think I could do what you're asking for. And then you, you hear a, a voice, it's not a request, Mr. Thornhart, and the Abbey expects you to do your civic duty. We will come by again tomorrow morning. I hope that you uh, reconsider. You won't have to wait that long because I'll tell you now. I'm not going back out there and that's final. And then you hear a thump, which is the sound of a door being slammed. Uh, okay, so since you since I did yours first, uh, Herman, if you wanted to go out and look, you can. Am I, that, I, didn't, I didn't catch that whole conversation. I just heard loud voices because I rolled so poorly on perception. <laughs> Correct. Okay. But, I mean, you definitely heard the loud voices, just not the details. So, um, so in peeking out, or I guess in leaving your apartment and looking down the hall, uh, you notice that there are three people outside of Ernest and Mabel's door. All three of them are in black trench coats. 
Two of them are wearing wide-brimmed hats that sort of obscure their faces. Uh, the third one, who appears to be the leader, or at the very least is standing closest to the door, is a tiefling, gender indeterminate from the distance you're at, who has a burnt orange slash brown mohawk and is wearing uh, a pair of mirrored sunglasses. Well, mirrored sunglasses or dark glasses and as you enter and look down uh these people begin to go down the stairway and out of sight okay so i go down and i go to check on uh, ernest and mabel to make sure everything's okay and i will pop my head out when i see them talk about the abbey i will just kind of try to stealthfully follow these people in black trench coats because that seems something very interesting uh okay kitty go ahead are you trying and you're trying to be stealthy about this Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead and, and roll for that. Uh, 21. Dear God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess that is your your specialty, though. Is... I'm a rogue, goddammit. I'm good at investigating <laughs> and being stealthy. Fair enough. You're able, you've lived in the building long enough that you kind of know where, like, the stairs are creaky and where they're not. So you're able to make your way down the stairs pretty much undetected. And you're kind of just staying on the edges, not really exposing your body, except when you're peering around corners. So you follow them and they go back out through the lobby. As they're about to leave, they stop and you see the tiefling turn and he speaks to one of them. I think you know what to do, Mr. Hicks. Make it count. The tiefling leaves and uh, one of the other, or and, and is followed by both of the other individuals in the hats i i think red would be very interested in this and these people but also very uh scared of them so what is the um where is their apartment compared to mine like are we on the same floor so you and kitty and herman are on the same floor as ernest and mabel so Ernest and okay. Mabel have one of the corners. Uh, Red, you would be uh, uh, on the same floor as them, but on the other side of the, the hallway. And you would probably be next to Kitty. Do our doors have uh, peepholes? Uh, yes, they do. Okay, I think Red is uh, was listening at the door and staring out the little peephole in the door so that he could get a glimpse at these folks as they left. Okay. I was going to say, I want to, I want to check on, I want to knock on Ernest and Mabel's door and see, see how they're doing. The door opens very, very slowly. And you can see that H, like one of those door chains has been put up. Uh, and you see that it's Mabel peeking around the door and she's like, oh, oh, it's you. Uh, and then she kind of closes the door slightly. You can hear the chain being undone and then it opens you can see that Ernest is sitting in like an overstuffed armchair and he's got like a mug of steaming liquid in his hands and his hands are shaking. Hi, hi Ernest and Mabel. I, I heard yelling. Is everything okay? Oh, hello, lad. Uh, no, no, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm afraid that uh, they've come for me. They want me to go out and do some work on one of those cities that you heard about on the radio. 
It's terrible. They shouldn't ask you to do that. I'll come back. I'll come back tomorrow when they when or I'll come back when they come back and I'll talk to him. I'll talk some sense into him. I'll I'll take care of it for you. When are they coming back, Ernest? Did they say? They they he's he's like pretty clearly terrified, so he's fumbling his words a little bit. He's like, I think uh I think they said tomorrow morning. Is isn't that what they said, Mabel? And she kind of nods her head. Yeah, tomorrow morning, around eight o'clock, I think. Okay, well, don't, don't, try not to worry too much, Ernest. I can tell you're shaking up a little bit. I'll be here bright and early. I'll be, I'll be ready to talk to him and, and uh, talk some sense into him. Cause they can't, they can't do this to you. I'll, I'll talk some sense into him. You're a good lad. You're a good lad. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, although, and he pauses for a moment. Actually, lad, uh, I'd like you to do something for me. It's, it's very small. And of course you can always say no, but uh, I'd consider it a great personal favor if you could do this for me. Well, you two have always been so kind to me. I, I, I'd love to help you out. What can I do for you, Ernest? Mabel, would you fetch the book, please? And uh, when he says this, her face, she's immediately very alert. And she goes to their bookshelf. And they have a very large bookshelf covering, like, an entire wall of their apartment. With a number, like, several hundred books easily on these shelves. And she removes a large red tome and then reaches behind it and grabs a bright purple tome, leather tome, uh, which is about mm, maybe half the size of like an 8 by 11 so a 4 by 5 piece of paper. <laughs> Damn my analogies. Um, <laughs> when was the War of 1812? <laughs> um, yeah, well, that that's going on my list of terrible terrible writing um <laughs> okay well moving on uh but they gra- he she grabs this purple tome and hands it to you herman oh what what's this uh d- don't worry about it it's just uh it's just some uh just some some things uh i would rather not have them here just now just to j- give me some peace of mind Okay, so you just want me to take this book back to my place? All, all you need to do is just, just hold on to it until uh, tomorrow, tomorrow or so. It, uh, it's just, just for me, mental health is all. Okay, I don't have to read it or anything, right? Because I'm not a very good reader. Oh no, of course not. Of course not. Uh, in fact, uh, probably best that you don't look at it. Just put it, just put it somewhere out of the way. Is fine. I got a, gr- I got a great spot. I can put it. Yeah, I'll take care of it for you. Not a problem. Eat piece of cake. You got anything else you need? This seems like a really easy. Easy favor. Oh no, not at all. You you'll be doing us a great favor, lad. And uh, if you if you don't mind, I'm just gonna I'm gonna have my tea and then I'm gonna go to bed. Yeah, by all means. I I'm here too late. You you two get some rest. I'll take this book back to my place and I'll uh, I'll see you in the morning. Right you are. Right you are. Thank you, lad. Uh, did Kitty or I hear the interaction about the book? Do we know about its existence? I definitely do not. I'm so far away. <laughs> Yeah, well, you would have gone down following the other people, so... Oh, okay. Can I roll to see if I uh, heard about the book or saw the interaction with the book? I'll s- you can roll to see if you observed Herman going into the apartment. Um, that is a 17. Yes, you do. And you can, you can hear the sound of voices, but you wouldn't necessarily have heard that conversation. Do I see him holding the book when he leaves the apartment? Uh, yes, unless you, unless you, Herman, decided to conceal it in your on your body somewhere before leaving it, or if you just left holding it. 
I'm not smart enough to conceal it. I just, I'm just carrying it out. I'm like, this is just a book. What's the big deal? <laughs> okay, then Red, yes, you would see that. All right. I'm not doing anything with that information right now. I just, I have it. You just have it. You just have <laughs> in it. In your pocket for later. <laughs> uh, Kitty, um, are, so you followed them down to the lobby. Are you going to follow them out? What are you planning to do? Uh, well, I heard them turn around and they said something about sending uh, Mr. Mr. Hicks. I, if they don't, if they are just leaving out of the building, yes, I will just kind of follow towards the front of the building just to see which way they head, where they're going, if they get into a vehicle of any sort, that kind of stuff. So what you observe is that the tiefling and one of the individuals get into a car, like a classic 1940s-esque car that is waiting outside and they drive off to the east in the direction of the abbey. The other individual walks down the street in the other direction. Do I know what the abbey is? Yes, you would know that the abbey is the headquarters of the local chapter of these magical enforcers. Oh, right, the people that keep people from using magic. Correct. Oh, one thing that I neglected to mention, which would have been applicable for everybody there... Uh, on the trench coats, there is an image of, or a, like a patch of a face uh, which is crying on each of the shoulders. Does the vehicle have any identifying marks or like a license plate number? <laughs> it does have a license plate number. Other than that, it, lo it looks like an ordinary black car. Okay, um, she will note that in her, if she can get at least even part of it, she'll note it in her notebook and then she will try to... Uh, tail this guy just to the end of the block just to see kind of which way he heads. Sure. She's not going to keep following him because she worries that she could get herself in trouble, but just a little bit, just to kind of see because she's worried about the little gnome people. They're very nice. So what you notice, actually, is that he, the, the person that you're following goes down about three blocks and then enters another tenement apartment building. Do you follow him in, or...? No, 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 no. She's not gonna... It's not by herself. <laughs> she's she's interested in this story, but not so interested that she could get hurt, hurt, get hurt. These seem like people that could probably hurt her. Um, you she you never go any... to the second location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never follow anyone to a second location without somebody else knowing where you're going first. <laughs> so she will head in uh, back towards her apartment, um... And just uh, Red or Herman are still around in the hallway. Check in with them just to see if they they reassured the the people, um, the gnomes, if they're okay. Just to make sure that they're okay and everything's you know they're not worried or need anything. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll poke my head out and just be like, oh yeah, uh, Herman was in there talking to him. I I think they should be okay now. It, it, they said that they. They were with the Abbey or that they, that they were going to send somebody with the Abbey with them. They didn't, they don't seem like the, I mean, gnomes are inherently magical. That's part of their blood, but they didn't seem like they were people that were doing anything against the law or anything. He, he's just an old, old sailor gnome. Yeah. You, you know, uh, they probably make mistakes sometimes. Uh, they, they probably have, um, you know, times when they think that you're magical and you're you're not so just keep that in mind that's something that can happen sometimes it seems like somebody's got magic but they they don't 
okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at myself. I'm laughing at you too. So. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, anyway, uh, it, it seemed like they might send somebody from the Abbey after them uh, to get him to work on the floating cities and... Uh, we just can't let them take him like that. Um, they, they said Mr. Hicks. They said something about um, a Mr. Hicks. So if you hear anything about a Mr. Hicks, um, I should probably tell Herman too because he said you said he was in there with them. Yeah, he he went in and talked to him. Uh, uh, you, you should probably check in with him. Uh, uh, okay, I I will. Um, also, this has nothing to do with this, but can I later interview you, um, for, for an article I'm writing for the, uh, my paper, um. Oh, sure, me? It, yeah. What, what do you need to know from, from me? I don't Well, I mean, you seem much... like a very happy person, but you also seem to live in squalor, so I think that might be, anyway, just yes or no? Yes? Uh, yes? Y- yeah, yeah, Great. I'd be Great. happy to help you out. Um. Great. I, I mostly want to talk to the very sad satyr man who lives in the basement, uh, Terrible, or whatever his name is. Um, yeah. But I think you would have an awesome perspective as well. Anyway, I'm going to go talk to Herman, okay? All right. Uh, say, stay safe, dangerous people around. You too. Um, and then she'll go up to Herman's door and knock on the door. Hi there. What's what's going on? Uh, um, I, I was just talking to Red, and uh, he said that you had been talking um, to the gnomes, um, trying to reassure them that they were okay. Um, I, I might have followed those uh, those trench coaty people out, and they said something about the Abbey, and that they were going to send the Abbey after them, and then that they were going to send a Mr. Hicks after them. And so I just wanted to make sure that you, um, you're very large and strong, and you, Thank you. can... Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, you are, uh, very. Anyway, um, if you could just, like, keep an eye out for them, um, I'm gonna try to keep an ear out and she'll point to one of her, uh, ears on the top of her head that, like, you know when cats are, like, hunting and they're just, like, kind of going everywhere? Her ears are kind of doing that right now. They're just kind of, like, listening, trying to listen for everything now because she's a little wound up and her tail is, like, swishing back and forth behind her. I'm just picturing Herman, like, just this whole time, he's just been curling two dumbbells. <laughs> he's just, yeah, like... He's got one arm. He's actually got, he's actually trying to act really stubby. He's got one arm propped up on the door while the other arm's curling. <laughs> um, yes. Anyway, um, if you could just keep an eye out, um, or an arm out, if, if you will, um, I don't want anything to happen to them. They're... They're probably the best people in this building and, and the best people for our neighborhood. And if anything happened to them, it, it, I, I think it would be bad for all of us. Oh, I agree. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll take real good care of them. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure they're doing all right. I told, I told them I'd come back down in the morning and make sure that uh, I could talk some sense into those weirdos from the Abbey. I don't know what they're thinking. Well, uh, I mean, they, they seemed a little strange. Uh, two went off in a car and one went to a building about three blocks from here. Um, I, I might've followed them to see where they went. Um, but, uh, so one of them might be also shaking down other people in the neighborhood or they might live around here. Um, but yeah. Also to another point, uh, could I sometimes inter sometime interview you about living here and, and, and your experiences about that um. for, for, for the newspaper? Of course, I, I, I work for a newspaper and they're finally letting me write an article. And so I was just hoping that I could interview you, um, for that. So, so this would be in the newspaper? Well, not this part, not this investigation. This is a different thing. Um, uh, it's just, just no, about I mean, you. The interview, the interview, would the the interview would be in the newspaper? 
well, well, maybe if, if my boss likes it and, and uh, enjoys my work and lets me actually print it for once instead of throwing it in the garbage. Okay, do you have to use my name in the interview? Um, I, I mean, I, uh, we can say just a resident of the building. We don't, doesn't have to be your name. Okay, okay, that, that would work I, better. I could just write Goliath resident of uh, so-and-so. Yeah, that, that'll work, that'll work. Okay, uh, great. Um, great. So I have two interviews. I just then I should probably talk to the gnomes too. But anyway, please keep an eye out for them. Um, I'm just going to maybe keep my door propped open just so I can hear if anybody comes back. Um, and maybe watch out the front window so that I can see uh, through the front door. Um, I'm just very worried. Yeah. Well, I don't, worry a lot. Don't worry. Don't worry. If you, if you need anything, you just you just holler. I'll come down and help. And don't worry about Ernest and uh, Mabel tonight. They're they're tucked in. They're they're going to bed. They were a little shooken up. So. Yeah, I I think we all are. It's not every day people from the Abbey just show up at the front door of your your home. Yeah, that was weird. Trying to force you out. Anyway, um, I'm going to go now because I'm very bad at this. So, okay, goodbye. Well, have a good night. And she will. Quickly turn her back, swish her tail, walk back to her apartment, but she's going to leave it open, like, the front door open just like a crack so that she can kind of hear things. Like, she'll put the chain on it, so, like, if somebody tries to push the door open, she'll know, but um, just so that she, it, it makes it easier to hear stuff in the hallway. Uh, inside his apartment, Red uh, puts the lock on the door and then um, pushes some of the crates of books up against the door. And then, like, draws a little circle in the air in front of himself. He's, like, very, like, shuts the windows, goes to bed. Herman closes his door and proceeds to do 100 handstand push-ups before going to bed. <laughs> Good God. Perfect. So, so are your muscles the size of, like, watermelons at this point? Like, just... I'm Terry Crews. <laughs> Perfect. Do you talk about yourself in the third person? Herman loves responsible agricultural practices. Okay, um, so you all go to bed. Treble, how long are you planning to stay at the Night Owl? Um, I did, I had a, I felt like I had a pretty good night tonight, so I'd probably call it a bit early, probably about 12 or 1, probably 1. Okay. And I probably won't go to the graveyard tonight. Tonight is a, a, a graveyardless night. It's a little too rainy. So it's not a graveyard shift? Oh. God. I'll see myself Damn out. Damn <laughs> uh, No, it's not the graveyard shift. I, I would say, yeah, he's just going to, he's going to head home for the, for the evening. He's going to call it an early night because he made a pretty good, in his mind, he made a pretty good amount of gold for his work. On his way home, he stops by like a, a late night seafood like or like a fish shop or something like if there's something like open kind of late that would sell some kind of fish he'd buy like a little fish for for base and take it home with him and to give to him yeah you you could find that in any number of market stalls on the street that you're okay, on just on my way home so, i'll just casually just grapple and, yeah and head home. okay so you probably get home around like 1 30 or so kitty you are awoken by a furious pounding on your door Kitty will get up and and uh, cover, put on a, a a night coat slash robe, and just quickly uh, put her glasses on and and look through the crack in the door because the door is slightly ajar. You see Ernest there, looking around in a panicked fashion, and he's holding in his hands a lacquered red box about six inches by ten inches or so. Uh, she'll pull the chain out and open the door all the way. Ernest, what's the matter? What? Did, 
did they come back? Was it no time to explain. I need you to take this, and he hands you the box. Uh, it's probably about five to six pounds. Take this. You never saw me. It's not the Abbey or... Okay, okay, um, okay. So as, as you're saying this, you hear the sound of breaking glass and then a piercing scream from the apartment down the hall. Their apartment. Everybody roll perception. Or I guess uh, Red and Herman roll perception to see if you also hear this or if you remain asleep. I got a nine. I got a four. God, you guys are heavy sleepers. I don't understand how I wasn't woken up by the pounding on the door next to mine, but I guess I'm a heavy sleeper. You're he- real heavy sleeper. You know, I- I'll let you roll that again, just because you- that is a good point. That time was a 12. That was a 12? Yeah. Okay. S- hmm. And what was your sermon? Sorry. Did you say it was a nine? Nine. Okay. Uh, you do not wake up for this, uh, Red, I don't think you would wake up for this either, actually. Damn, okay. Um, uh, not Herman, (laughs) Ernest, uh, when he hears this, he immediately runs into the room, or runs down the hall away from you and then into the room. Um, I, I will go quickly pound on, uh, Herman's door, um, and be like, get up! And then run, uh, out. I'll go back to my room and put the box like in between my mattress and my um, bed frame, like tucked up un- underneath there, you know, like where boys keep their porn. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and then I will run down the hall towards towards Ernest's uh, apartment. Okay, I okay. wake up and I run to run to the door. Not, I don't take enough time to put a shirt on. I just run to the door in my pants. Okay. At least you had pants on. Run out. Yeah, just barely. I'm still putting the, the leg in as I'm jumping to the door. Herman, what languages do you speak again? That's a very good... Oh, common and giant. And Kitty, what about you? I speak common, elvish, novish, gnomish, halfling, and thieves can't. Novish. <laughs> gnomish. Gnomish. No, I gotcha. Uh, gnome. I speak gnomish. Uh, so Kitty, you would hear this, but you hear the sound of breaking glass. And I actually, I guess, Herman, you'd hear this as well. You, you both hear the sound of breaking glass. And then you hear a yelled curse in Gnomish. And you then hear the sound of metal scraping on metal. Okay, well, I guess I, I run to, to see where the sound's coming from. I run to investigate. Uh, Everybody on this floor, roll initiative. Oh, snap. Even though I'm still sleeping. Uh, Go ahead. I mean, <laughs> can go I ahead be and roll. awake at least? What? Can I be awake? Yes, please? yes, you can, you can be awake for this. Okay. Can I wake up now? I'm awake, but I don't know what's happening. Okay. And then treble. Um, go ahead and roll perception. You're not even on the same floor, but you might have heard the glass break. Or the scream. Or the scream, for that matter. That, uh, yeah, yeah 15s. Yeah, you would have heard the scream from, from outside. So, um, With the scream, I would probably look down at base, shrug, and then pick up the pace and go towards go towards the scream because he does trouble does help those in need so he especially like this late at night okay so we're gonna pause for a moment uh everybody give me your initiative and your current hp do you want me to roll initiative too no okay well yeah no so my hp is 32 and i rolled a straight up 20 not high 20 yeah crit 20 for initiative okay very nice uh, okay, uh, Kitty, go ahead. I rolled a 10. 
And my HP is 17. I also rolled a 10. My HP is 18. Well, la dee da. <laughs> so Herman, you will be going first. Um, and here's what happens when you get around the corner and enter the room. Since they had a corner unit, they had several windows looking out uh, at the streets outside. Two of them are broken. One of them is completely broken, like there's no glass remaining in it. And the other one, there is just a small, small circular hole in it. You see that Mabel is in some sort of nightshirt. And uh, the nightshirt is pretty heavily soaked with, with blood, or what looks to be blood. And she is currently prone, lying on the kitchen floor. You also see Ernest, and he is... It looks like he was just knocked over or something, because he's also prone on the ground. Standing above him is a black trench coat clad individual. No longer with the hat on, but they are a hobgoblin, or what would appear to be a hobgoblin. And they are brandishing a large sort of billy club looking thing. What do you do? Okay, is, are either of them look like they're going towards uh, Mabel or Ernest? Or are they just like uh, standing around after the fact? Uh, well, it looks like the hobgoblin just hit Ernest because his club is kind of like at the end of its stroke. Okay, so I go after that hobgoblin. And okay. I go into rage because seeing them down, just I lose my mind. And so I look at the hobgoblin holding the uh, the billy stick, and I get a crazy look in my eyes. And I'm like, I'm gonna shove that billy stick right up your ass. And then I rush towards him and I try and take the billy stick from him. Would that technically be a grapple? Maybe um, an opposed strength check. Okay, uh, go ahead and do that then. Uh, I got a ten plus three, so thirteen. Okay, uh, you aren't really able to wrestle it out of his hands. Uh, he's got like a pretty good grip. Okay, do I get a bonus action? I think I get a bonus action because I'm in rage. Your bonus action was, was to rage. rage. Yeah. Okay, so I failed to take the billy stick. Yeah, I'm gonna say that your current. Well, uh, go ahead and roll it again. Okay. Like I get advantage because I was behind him or something. Yeah, he's not looking <laughs> at you. So. I rolled a nine. Oh dear. Okay. Um, here, you aren't able to, uh, wrestle it out of his hand, but you are currently grappling with him. Okay. So you have, like, a, a grip on his coat, or let's say, and it is his turn, and he is going to try and hit you with the billy stick. Eleven? Okay, against my my strength? Uh, no, against your AC. Oh, no, 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 you're right, I'm sorry, I get, yeah, against your strength. Uh, well, against my strength, it'd be seventeen. My AC is thirteen. Oh, well, in either case, it would it would not work. So he, he whiffs it. I, I look at him in the eyes. I'm like, did someone feel a breeze? <laughs> <laughs> he uh, kind of is upset that he missed, but he's also like, just stay out of this. This doesn't concern you. Government business. And uh, it will be Kitty's turn. So I'm sort of like at the doorway. I was like right behind. Well, technically I was in front of him, but he ran around me uh, to get into the door. Um, so I will look in and I will see Mabel on the ground um, and I will run to her um, and just check to see if she's okay. It looks like she's bleeding. I will, I, I'm going to make sure she, I, I'm going to try to like staunch the bleeding and, and see if she's okay. Okay, uh, roll medicine. Oh boy, oh, just okay at that. Ooh, nine. I mean, you know the basics. You wouldn't necessarily know how to 
fully stop it so you get like a cloth and you're pressing down on it and then i'll just kind of like yell up to the guy be like "Uh, what are you doing attacking these nice old people what are you what are you doing get out of here you don't belong here she's just freaking out red it is your turn yeah yeah so (laughs) can i now hear that there's like fighting going on over there yes okay i put a bunch of stuff in front of my door which was a bad idea so I am going to bonus action Misty Step uh, to teleport out of my apartment <laughs> into the hallway. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then I will use my movement to try to um, get over where Kitty is to the two gnomes on the ground. And uh, how, how are they both looking? Not great. Uh, Mabel is exceedingly pale. It looks like she's lost a lot of blood. Ernest is down but facing away from you, so you're not really sure how he's doing. Okay, I I am gonna touch Mabel and um, try to cast Spare the Dying. So uh, that is, you touch a living creature that has zero hit points, the creature becomes stable. So if she is still alive, uh, she would become medically stable as in still unconscious but not dying anymore stable mabel someone had to say it did they (laughs) unless she is already dead then it's not gonna work so uh it does not appear to work (laughs) shit i don't i don't know if this would count as an action which i i don't have anymore but can i medicine check just to check if she's dead yes you can do that okay do i gotta roll for that or is that just something I know? Do I do I already know how to take a pulse, or should I roll for taking pulse? I'm not. No, I'm not going to make you do that. Uh, <laughs> roll for pulse check. Roll for pulse. Um, no, you you can check for a pulse, and you do not find one. Shit! I was prepared for this, but still. Okay. Uh, that that's that's all my actions. Herman, it is back to you. Okay, um, so how many of them are in the room? Just one? Just one. Just one? Okay, since I already have them grappled, I'm going to try and throw them out the window. Oh, okay. So straight uh, again, I assume? Yes, sir. God damn it, I rolled a one. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so much for Herman saving the day. <laughs> you try to throw him, but in so doing, you like you either lose balance or you trip and you kind of fall do i fall out yeah. the window <laughs> no 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 you don't you don't fall out the window but you do like you trip enough so that you've kind of fallen so you're like not half prone because that's not a thing but you're like you fall onto like your knees for a second but you you do not take damage or anything like that you're a very generous dm <laughs> it's it's session one i want you all to live to the rest of <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm assuming that's all all that you've got i mean yeah i, I... I tried to throw him and I failed. Uh, So he is going to try and hit you again with the billy club. And this time he's rolling against your AC just because you kind of lost your grip. So this time that will be a 14 to hit. Okay, my armor class is 13, so he hit me. So that will hit. Okay, and then for damage, that's going to do 7 bludgeoning damage. Oh, just 7 straight up. But you take half because you're raging. Oh, yeah. That's a thing that I have, right? Uh, and I think that's rounded down. So you'd take three bludgeoning damage. He just gives you a good whack, like right on the shoulder blade. That's all you got? Yes, because I'm a low-level enemy and uh, <laughs> I only have one attack. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> uh, it will be Kitty's turn. 
Um, Kitty seeing that Mabel might be down like forever and what she's doing is not helping and Red tried to help and that's not helping. Um, is there, I mean, she didn't grab her purse or anything where she would have thing, uh, any of her weapons. Um, she will just pop her claws out and try to, um, go to the other side of this guy, like behind him and try to slash at his back. This is the worst attack I could do because my one strength based attack. Oh, but I rolled a natural 20. Oh <laughs> my gosh, yes. Well done. Does it count as sneak attack since he is, because he is uh, engaged with uh, Herman? Sure, I, w- I will count it. That makes sense, yeah. Oh, uh, okay, 22 minus one, so 21 points of damage. Holy shit. Jesus. Dear God. Are you claws made of titanium? <laughs> like, um. She's a, she's angry and upset and this poor little old lady just got, he might have killed this old lady and the other old man is on the floor. Freaking out, man. It's like when a mom pulls a bus off her child. <laughs> you slash so hard that you actually cut the coat off of him. So you, you, and you also, I mean, you also lacerate his back pretty pretty good you don't just damage the coat because that would be silly but kind of funny you cut like a strip down the back so that essentially his coat is now in two pieces <laughs> like he's got a piece on each arm and uh he is he is bleeding profusely can i try to with my bonus action i don't know if you let me do this <laughs> but can i try to like pull off part of his coat like the side that i know that the patch is on like pull that and take it off of his body like the whole part of that jacket like pocket and all since i just slashed it yeah i will allow you to do that i i will say i will say that that's an extension of your eye for detail okay great so that makes sense cool 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 um, so I'll do that, and then uh, that's the end of my turn, and she's just, like, kind of holding her clawed hand out, and the, the coat in her other hand going, like, big, big eyes, like, holy fuck, what did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> Slash. Um, okay, uh, Red, it is your turn. Uh, yes, I am going to... Um, I am... The gnomes are kind of near each other on the floor, Yes. They are about an arm's length away. Okay, so um, action this turn. I am going to touch Ernest and see if I can cast Spirit of the Dying on him. That succeeds. Okay. Um, and I, I don't think Spirit of the Dying is a very flashy bit of magic. I, I think it's very much like I maybe touched someone and, and they got like a little shock from from me touching them and and maybe that makes them you know breathe better or something it, it's not like lighting up the room or anything when i do that and then uh bonus action i'm going to shift so uh what that looks like um red stands up and kind of turns to face this intruder who has hurt these gnomes um and uh, he starts these tiny iridescent um, red and orange and dark green feathers start appearing on his cheeks and on like the back of his hands and up his arms. Um, and his eyes turn 
just black. And then out of his like shoulder blades, two wings like shoot out directly behind him, um, which are the same colors as those feathers. And they are just buzzing like in a blur behind him. They are giant hummingbird wings. That's awesome. Are they are they like actual wings? They are, but it, they're not strong enough to lift him off the ground, but they are strong enough to make him faster. They give him like a boost of speed. Oh, that's cool. So in this form, I gain four temp hit points and my speed increases to 40 feet instead of 30. So I'm going to I'm going to use that uh that speed to um get over get over to where this dude is and where kitty is and kind of also try to help kitty out with my next turn treble provided that you've increased your speed I did, you yeah. are now okay you are entering the apartment building now okay so go ahead and roll that's gonna be uh an 11 okay you're on the board now so that's good am i just at the bottom of the stairs you're at the bottom of the stairs, and you're hearing a commotion. Okay. Herman, we are back to you. Okay, is there anything on the ground near me that I can use as a weapon? There is, uh, there's like a fire poker, like a wrought iron fire poker for like shifting logs and stuff. If you were to look around on the walls, you also see that there is a mounted like harpoon thing, like a deep sea harpoon. There's also a number of glass bottles that you could probably use. Okay, well, I grab the uh, the fire poker and I try and whip back around and and stab the uh, the guy with it. Strength check again. Uh, yeah, go go ahead. Uh, I got a sixteen that time plus three. That will hit. Um, go ahead and roll. Who? Uh, roll two d six. Okay. I got five and a three, so eight. Okay, uh, you <laughs> you give him a good jab. You probably break some ribs with that. Uh, kind of a low stomach level thrust. And uh, or are you hitting or are you thrusting? Thrusting. Okay, yeah, you you pull it away and he starts bleeding from the stomach. So you you land a pretty good hit in there. Nice. And I whisper, take that, you son of a bitch. So at this point, he actually drops, he's, he drops to his knees and he drops the billy club he was holding. Uh, you see that he is, uh, he's very pale and you can hear that his breath is coming in these short, sharp, like gasps as opposed to something steady. Uh, Kitty, it is your turn. Okay, so so we shouldn't probably kill a person. Um, uh, maybe we can ask them uh some questions or uh maybe call some uh, non-magic police uh to let them know what is happening because maybe we shouldn't we shouldn't also murder you shouldn't avenge a murder with a murder fuck that he killed mabel i'm throwing him out the window okay no i i i don't think that's necessary um maybe uh, uh sir uh before he throws you out the window uh were you sent by the abbey are you Mr. Hicks? He can't really, like, he, he opens his mouth, but blood just comes out. Fuck! <laughs> I, th- I think he would be hard-pressed to to verbalize right now. 
he kind of looks up at you as blood is draining from his face and his body, and he's like, fuck you, and crumples to the floor. Uh, Red, can you maybe um also not make it so he yeah, doesn't uh, die, die, uh, die, die? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will cast uh, Spare the Dying on this guy, which does not wake him up. It will just keep him from death. Okay. How many... Is that a cantrip? That is a cantrip for me, yeah. Dear God. That's yeah. a great cantrip. <laughs> I only have two spell slots. Well, I, so I, I'm aware I, I of had that, to but... choose some real good cantrips to get in there because I'm not going to be able to use anything other than cantrips for the most part. Okay, so we're going to pass over to Treble then for a second. Treble, as you're coming up the stairs, you hear the sound of whistles coming from the door that you just entered through. Is it so it's coming from like I'm on the stairs, but it's coming from the front door, correct? Yeah, where you where you just came okay. in. Quickly, I'm going to turn before I run up the stairs. I'm going to turn and look and see who's coming in. If I can see who's coming in the door. Okay, uh, you turn and you see an individual wearing a black trench coat rush in, followed by a blue suited individual wearing sort of like an English bobby hat. Uh, I'm gonna so I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna turn and look at him. May I help you, fellows? Move aside there, goat. We're here to investigate a dangerous suspect. Beg your pardon? What did you just call me? You heard what we called you, you goat. That makes Treble very angry. So Treble is going to look at them. Well then, looks like uh, you'll need a nap. And I cast sleep (laughs) on them. Oh no. (laughs) Okay. We're going to bail Treble out on our second second session. Okay, so I have to roll 5d8. How this spell works is starting with the creature that has the lowest current hit points. Each creature affected by the spell falls unconscious until the spell ends, the sleeper takes damage, or someone uses uses an action to shake or slap the sleeper awake. Subtract each creature's HP from the total before moving on to the creature with the next lowest hit points. A creature's hit points must be equal to or less than the remaining total for that creature to be affected. So essentially it's like this. The weakest creature... And then I subtract that from um, the 24. And then if there's any remaining, the other guy will also fall asleep. Okay. And what did you roll? Uh, 24. The blue-suited constable, like, just passes out and does a face plant into the lobby floor. Uh, but the black-coated individual keeps running at you. Okay, yeah, that will that will be... Am I in combat? Is this my turn? Like You are okay. in combat, yeah. and that, that was your okay, turn. Yeah. yeah, that's it. With the agent gone, uh, that does put us back to Herman. Okay, and the guy that I just stabbed, he's alive still? He is un- unconscious. Yes. Okay, uh, I, still, was... I still try and throw him out the window. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, go ahead... Go ahead and make that strength check with advantage because he's not, he can't resist you. Okay, 15 and 18. I'm assuming you're throwing him from the window that already had all of its glass broken. Or yeah. are you throwing him through a glass window that hasn't been broken? Oh, there's yet? a non broken? Yeah, I throw him through the non broken window for sure. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, you. Herman's real mad. Money. They're not, they're not going to have many windows that, uh, when this is done, but uh, you. I'm trying to think of an appropriate movie scene, but you grasp him by the what remains of his, his coat, such as it is, and you just throw him right through. Crashes, glass goes everywhere. After a second, you just hear a muffled thump from outside. And then I go, have a nice flight. 
do I see like like comically see like as I'm down on the base level, like looking out the front window, like the one guy passes out, and then I just see a body fall from the second floor, just like oh, oh cool. <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio loves action one-liners, by the way, in case you didn't get that. <laughs> oh, Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> Yeah, we okay. all forgot about that until now. <laughs> I googled yeah. him, by the way. He's the bad guy who played uh, Kingpin in Daredevil. I don't know if that was like part of our recorded. What did we record Vincent D'Onofrio in the intro? Was that in there? I don't remember. Okay, in case anyone's curious, either. when um, Herman gets really angry, he switches over to his alter ego, Vincent D'Onofrio, who has a thirst <laughs> for blood and loves action movie one-liners. <laughs> Uh, if for whatever reason real Vince, Vincent D'Onofrio was listening, we we all appreciate you as an artist and an actor and fans. If Vincent D'Onofrio listens to this podcast, I've peaked. That's it. I've, that's, <laughs> yeah. I go no further in my rich life. If that is the case, loved you in Men in Black. You're great. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're great in Daredevil too. So you throw him out the window, Kitty. It would technically be your turn. Uh, I I fuck. Kitty is so in over her head. She's got this part of her jacket in her hand, but also now they're all, she's got blood all over her hand. Uh, there is possibly a now a dead man outside in the alley. Uh, <laughs> um, there's a dead woman in here. There's an unconscious gnome. It sounds like there might be a scuffle at the front door now. Uh, she's, she's very uh, frightened, uh, but she will just quickly look into this jacket that she is part of the jacket she has grabbed and she will search it you find a black bound uh leather notebook uh you find a pen uh you find a little map of the area almost like a mini city map like it's just a map of the neighborhood not even of the full city and you find a silver talisman which is also inscribed with the patch the logo on the patch, so the face shedding a single tear. She will take all that stuff she just found in the jacket and shove it into her bra because that is a place where people are not going to search her first. Okay, Red, what, what, what about you? Uh, can I hear the sound of the scuffle going on in the entryway? Yes. Okay. Folks, we gotta get out of here. We gotta get out. Uh, uh, big, big guy, get over here. Uh, I start to pick up Ernest, the gnome, and like hand his unconscious body to Herman. <laughs> Just like, hold hold this man. Okay, I, p- I pick up Ernest and throw him over my shoulder like a fireman's carry. Perfect. I'm like, okay. uh, oh, okay, where, where can we go? Is there a fire escape? Should we go out the window with the with the guy? Uh, um, I mean, there is a fire escape. Okay, I, I, I want to go down the fire escape. I want to lead people out of here because I am very, very scared of what has just transpired and is transpiring. Let, let's get out of here. We got to get out of here. Come on. Okay. Now that I've got Ernest in my arms, I, uh, I, I come out of rage mode and I go back to Herman. I'm like, okay, let's, let's get out of here. Also, what the hell happened in here? Did I kill Mabel? No, 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 no. Uh... Oh, thank God. I thought I killed Mabel for a second. Oh my God. Okay. Let's get out of here. And then you got to explain everything to me because I have no idea what's going on right now. Treble, this jacketed person is rushing at you and they produce a billy club from their jacket and they try to hit you with it. That is a natural 20. (laughs) The bad guys are much better at fighting than we are. Oh boy. (laughs) Okay. Except for Kitty. Kitty's straight savage. Um, That will hit you for 12 bludgeoning damage. 
So that just that lands a pretty good blow on your head. I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to cut that for copyright reasons. <laughs> uh, okay, is it my turn? Yes. Haha. Okay. Okay. So I think what I'm gonna do is I'm going to cast um, my second level sleep uh, on this guy. Okay doing the toby Maguire finger guns again and just like i don't i don't <laughs> think so motherfucker and i cast is that your only offensive spell listen we don't want to talk about <laughs> what spells i may or may not have but yes that is my only that, offensive no, spell. i think it's good because i only also have only one offensive spell so like the magic users of this party are really not here for fighting i can't I have, I mean, I carry a longsword too, but I just don't have it on me. Okay, yeah, so I'll, I'll cast sleep on him, so let me cast my... Yeah, go ahead and roll for oh, that. This is a second level, so that means I get an additional 2d8. I would imagine it means you get more dice. Yeah, so a total of 7d8. Ooh. Ho, ho, ho. 29 HP. Um, <laughs> the gentleman in question looks like he's about to hit you again and then falls over and rolls down the stairs unconscious okay uh so i know this spell only lasts for a minute so i'm gonna book it upstairs to i'm gonna i do this little like pat on the side of my leg and base jumps up on my shoulder and i just uh do a run up the stairs to see where all the other commotion was i think you come up and you see us clambering down the fire escape (laughs) Seems like something you'd see. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, do you want to follow them down the fire Okay, escape, so or... is Mabel just there dead? Still on the ground? Yeah. Then nobody nobody chose to pick up Mabel? We're in triage here right now. Triage. <laughs> we don't have time to pick up the well, body. I don't, I don't know any of this, so I'm going to see Mabel on the ground and run over and try and cast my first level healing word spell on her. Do we all notice that he is now in the room? Yeah, are we like on the fire escape looking through the window? Yeah, you you would be there. I, I yell through the window. I go, Mabel's dead. I probably didn't kill her. Come with us. We're getting out of here. <laughs> I turn and look. What do you mean, probably? I mean, they said I didn't kill her, so I'm going to assume that they're probably not lying. He didn't kill her. Let We got to go. Where's the old man? I've got him. He's, over got my, him. he's on my shoulder. Very well. I know a place we can go. Oh, thank God. I mean, gods. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Dial M for Magic. Today's episode was Jordan Fugit as Treble, Nathan Pierce as Herman Cranberry, Bobby K. Kuffner as Kitty, and Dan Rogland as Red. And our dungeon master was Henry Roblin. All of our music was done by Alex Hills, and our artwork was done by Ashley meisner Terran. If you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to follow us on Twitter at M for Magic Cast or on Instagram at dial underscore M underscore podcast. Thank you so much. we got our next episode coming at you in two weeks on July 8th. We hope to see you then.